Welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McCarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together they make up the Church Safety Guys, their mission to inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, good evening and welcome to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Mike and Paul. Gents, greetings, evening. Good to see you. <laughs> I was I was trying to think of some witty comeback, and it just wasn't coming to me. So, anyhow, it's been a long couple of days. I'll say that. Um, mm. It's been a long year. Is the, are we almost done with yeah. this year? <laughs> Is it really only April? <laughs> I ask myself that on a regular basis. So if you just joined us, welcome. Um, feel free to, to like and share uh, this broadcast with your, with your church. Um, and uh, if you have a chance or if, you, if you're coming in at a later time and you're watching on YouTube or one of the streaming platforms, uh, make sure that you click like and subscribe. Uh, that way you can get notified when we have new content and new, uh, new broadcast information out there for you. So uh, as we go through tonight, feel free to, to post questions. Um, you're welcome to list where you're listening from and in what church. And uh, that kind of helps us gauge where our content is going. And so um, tonight, you know, what's interesting is because we do, uh, we have a lot of moving parts to a lot of guests and a lot of guests that oftentimes are doing multiple things at once <laughs> and have technology issues. Um, we're changing it up a little bit tonight, but we're going to talk about handling active shooters in your community. And uh, that's a topic that as we seem to be seeing a lot more of since January 1st. And... Um, both Mike and I in the last week have had uh, situations that kind of popped up and, you know, we were talking about it uh, a couple of days ago and we really just kind of felt like it was a good thing to a good topic to bring back around and, and um, just share some thoughts on of good things to do and, and best practices with that. So um, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight and uh, the topic. And we'll be talking about, um, you know, just again, just different best practices that we can, we can do for that. So uh, before we jump down that topic, though, I do want to say that uh, May 1st, we do have uh, a new book coming out, a new resource. Uh, and that's called Servant Leadership. And that's actually the uh, foundational uh, book, the first book in a series that we're doing on the church safety and security life cycle. And that's a follow-up to the Engage, Train, and Retain book. So um, that book, the church safety book, if you go to Amazon and you type in Servant Leadership and Church Security, that'll come up. And basically, Servant Leadership is a model that... Um, pushes or is it can be explained in 10 principles. And so with that, what we do is we actually go through and uh, just demonstrate the 10 principles of servant leadership and how that can be applied to a church, church security uh, team. I mean, really, it could be applied to any ministry team. It's not exclusive to church security or church safety, but um, for leaders or for um folks in that position. It's a, it's a great resource. Um, and, uh, we've already had some great, great feedback on it, uh, for application, et cetera. So, um, you don't want to definitely don't want to miss that. It's a good, it's a good resource. So, but other than that, um, so let's jump into, Let's jump into this topic. So, Mike, you want to go or do you want me to go first? <laughs> uh, it's up to you. I think, I mean, we could start from the standpoint of maybe we both talk about what we heard 
<laughs> initially, and and we just set the scene for what happened for both of us initially, and then we unpacked that further as to what were the actions we both took. Sure. Um, as a result. Okay. Well, I'll I'll jump in then. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was I was driving to church, and it's funny how you know you get a text message and you're almost there or you're you're on the way there and um that whole text message kind of changes your perspective of the day right (laughs) and how how things are gonna how things are gonna play out but um but yeah i was driving to church i was almost there and i got a text message from um one of the staff members who is also on our security team and safety team and uh it was a news news article. And so I looked at it real quick and there was a funeral, um, probably two blocks over, uh, the day before and the evening in the evening. And, uh, there were two individuals, two vehicles that were being sought after, uh, for, uh, doing drive-bys. So they, they drove by, um, two vehicles drove by open fired on this funeral and uh, and then went and opened fired on an apartment complex. And that apartment complex was not far from our church. You know, it's it was probably, you know, you speak distance. Obviously, they hadn't caught the person yet. That was, you know, that was my biggest concern. And then talking distance, um, you know, if someone's chasing or, or trying to get away in a, in a vehicle and, and they're being chased by law enforcement or um, they're trying to elude police that can drive a decent distance in a, you know, a quick period of time. So my concern was, you know, we're really probably two or three miles is not enough buffer to me <laughs> at that point yeah. to say, okay, you know yeah. what, um, we're going to step things up. And, and, um, and so we, we shifted gears a little bit when I went outside. Um, I did a, a, an extra thorough, um, you know, property evaluation, just kind of making sure stuff was normal. And uh, and then for that day, we added additional people to um, to the schedule and and uh, and actually moved people around and had had some serious discussion about it. But, um, you know, in the end, nothing, nothing came of it. Law enforcement, uh, you know, they, I think they're still working on trying to find those people, but just the idea of something like that happening, um, in a nearby area, um, you know, I've told, told this story before for you guys, but several years ago we had a a guy uh, from several counties over um, steal a, a vehicle, steal an SUV. And he, uh, was chased by multiple agencies and he ended up dumping that vehicle on our property in the middle of a Christmas pageant. And so we had law enforcement, we had dogs, we had helicopters, we had farmers with pitchforks, you know, roaming around looking for this guy. And, um, you know, and they caught him a couple blocks away. And so stuff like that, to me, when I start hearing that now, because of that situation, I am very much in tune to, okay, you know what, that happened a few counties over, and I wasn't expecting it to end in our, you know, in our driveway. So, you know, we've, we've taken a few steps to listen to police scanners to know what's going on to kind of be able to identify what's going on and, and be prepared for it. So, yeah. can I throw a quick comment in there before Mike sets the stage for his? Because sure. there's two gold nuggets there that I love. You're actively thinking about it, and then you guys have a dispatch center, and in your dispatch right. center, and and you guys have a more robust, well trained, and and more fully developed uh, um, security setup than we do, than my church does. But you have a centralized dispatch, and part of the great thing about reaching that level is you guys can listen to a police scanner. Um, you have relationships with law enforcement, which means you're going to get heads up when things are going on. And then the thing that you said before that that's Hopefully. really is <laughs> you hope. But yeah. you never know when somebody's going to be driving by your church. 
and they've got a kilo of something in the trunk and a murder weapon in the seat next to them and they're wanted for you know something in the Himalayas and they know that as soon as they get run they're going to go back to prison on a parole violation and they may decide to, to duck into your church parking lot it's happened at mine it's uh it's happened at yours and uh and that's uh that's a very it's a very valuable thing to think about what was that church in maine where the guy was high and he was running from the from law enforcement and then he jumped out and because of the drugs he was on he was so hot his body temperature was so high he ran naked into the church and I mean, these are very real things that can happen and uh, an active shooter, a standoff, an invasion type situation can happen much more quickly and with no with no preamble. Like we wouldn't even get a potential warning that that's coming. So I think several things that you just said for those playing the home game are are very valuable. So, Mike. Uh, so we had a we had an interesting uh, situation as well. It was a. Uh, active shooter uh, situation that was announced. Uh, there were text messages and other alerts that went out by Austin Police Department and basically a shelter in place for the immediate proxy. Now that didn't immediately affect us. We were uh, several minutes away, but when we received that, we were still active in service um, at the end of that uh, end of a service period, if we will. And so from our perspective, kind of we, we, we just kind of went to a higher level of alert. In other words, we uh -huh. said, okay, and this wasn't going to directly impact us. We weren't going to have uh, a threat necessarily come in through our door. But what it, what it did take into account is, all right, what level of active shooter is this? Not, not in body count, but what was the motivation? Now, right. ultimately, in this sense, the motivation ended up being announced pretty soon that it was a domestic-related um, issue. And as a result, that kind of ratcheted that down a level in, in our mind. Now, if it was just truly one of these randoms, if it was one of these, hey, look at me, uh, media sensationalized kingmaker situations, then that person could try to get away from police, could end up at our property, could try to find an open door, uh, sure. because they're trying to hide. So there's two different degrees of uh, kind of where we where we would look at that. So it ended up not necessarily becoming something that would directly impact, but it was something that was big enough that registered for the team and enough that we're going to discuss further in a table talk uh, episode pretty much sometime in the next couple of weeks. And that's, you know, you, you touched on a good, um, a good, piece there too about heightening security and you know being aware of doors securing doors securing places and it's interesting because I, I go back to um you know we had obviously for for a couple weeks ago for that service we had extra people we had people on every door um watching etc but uh, I, I go back to a couple of years ago when we had the the individual dump dump the SUV in our parking lot or in our, on our property. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you guys have seen layouts of our property. You know, mm -hmm. we have a bus garage that sits back. We have a decent amount, like the church campus is pretty decent size, but then, you know, we also have property that runs along next to it. And what's interesting to me is um, from an aspect, you know, I walked outside of the building and all of a sudden I'm getting hit with a spotlight from the, the police helicopter. You know, it's, it's buzzing low enough. I can read the numbers off of it, <laughs> you know, across our, across our field. And you can, I mean, our property is large enough that you can land successfully land several Black Hawk helicopters without an issue, you know, in, in the property. So I was kind of expecting him to land and he, he didn't, but <clears throat> what was interesting was my first thought was we have all these cars, the parking lot's full, a certain section of grass is full. You know, this guy dumps, <clears throat> dumps his SUV at the property line and bolts into, we have like townhouses next to us, bolts into that area. And the first thing I thought of was if you're trying to, if you're trying to get away from police, what are you going to do? You're going to double back, right? So then all of a sudden in my mind, I'm thinking we've got all these cars and this, this guy could easily hide under a car and then grab somebody and, and get yep. in their car or even go in our bus garage or try and get into something. 
And so when I, I walked up to the, one of the officers and I said, look, I said, we, we have a church full of people. We have like 1500 people inside watching a program right now. And I said, you know, in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, excuse me, we're going to have all of those 1500 people out in your search area. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, we need a game plan here, sir. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. and I said, I can, I can delay them. I can hold them off and we can make the service go longer. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. And he's, you know, he was a canine unit for, for the sheriff's department. And he's trying to get his dog out while he's talking to me. And so I went back in and I told um, my guys, I said, you know, go grab the, go grab the pastor. And he's like, well, he's up on the stage in front of 1500 people. And I said, go grab the pastor and tell him to, to extend the service. And he's like, okay. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to tell him. I said, tell him to make the service longer. And he's like, yep. okay. So he goes back and he walked up to the, the senior pastor who was leading a Christmas carol. And, uh, you know, he, he just walked up to him, leaned up to him. And of course the pastor knew something wasn't, wasn't right for, for this individual to come up to him. And he said, uh, I need you to, to make the service longer. And the pastor nodded and they, they sang two more Christmas carols, which added another eight to 10 minutes to, you know, the situation and, uh, and gave us enough time The I, circled back around to the officer and he's like, yeah, he's like, we, we just caught him over. Um, there's town, there's a strip of townhouses and there's a strip of retail and a McDonald's. And he's like, we just caught him over at McDonald's. So you're good. So that 10 minutes bought us that much more, um, you know, safety and, and security and, you know, and also created less of a hazard, less of a, of a, um, crazy situation for law enforcement really. But go ahead, Paul. So really, really quickly, something you said there, if people are listening at home, this is something to talk to with your safety team leadership. This is something to talk to your pastors about your board at your church, because you need to tuck that one away. That's an ace in the hole, because in a situation like that, the body cannot go where the mind has not been. And you don't want to find yourself in a situation there. And not everybody can riff like that. Not everybody can go off the cuff. And so if you think about that in advance and maybe you have a cue where you walk in the back and you go and whatever, you know, you look at the pastor and you and he knows and you go and he knows what that means or, you know, whoever the worship leader knows what that means. If you can do something like that and not be visibly interrupting so you're not in the back going, Ka -ka! And uh, I take us back to some, <laughs> to some 80s movies there. But if you if you don't have to do things like that and you don't have to interrupt, it can be seamless. And yeah. um, I mean, we, we had a guy that was arrested in our foyer on federal uh, charges and, and hauled off and maybe 17 people knew. And that was mostly safety, law enforcement and some members of our uh, ministerial staff, paid, paid staff. Yeah. And I over one guy as he was walking outside and I just pretended I didn't hear him, but he goes, I think that guy got arrested. He's like that tall guy came in me and he got him to get up and leave. <laughs> and he's like, and he didn't come back. And I, I, I looked out and there was like five cop cars and then the guy didn't come back. I think that guy got arrested. And I'm thinking <laughs> you're more observant than the average bear, but, but you've got a great gold nugget there. So anyway, Mike, yeah, so there's a similar similar spot with that is that we were we were trying to track down any additional news we could find out from the scene in the meantime because we're we're approaching the end of our service and again initially we were like okay prepared to all right do we do we try to extend do we hold them in the lobby do we not let them to the parking lot until our team can successfully uh, get ahead of them and get to the parking lot with them in case there was a situation that they would get to the parking lot. Um, but we did get news that it was a domestic situation right as service was essentially uh, done. And as a result, we were, we were pretty much uh, focused on letting that proceed and play out as normal. Well, and it, you know, it's interesting. I want to go back to something Paul just said for a minute about, um, 
you know, you, your body can't go where your mind hasn't been already. And one of the reasons it's interesting because one of the reasons I've started uh, in, in the group um, that we have the Facebook group, one of the reasons I've started putting scenarios out every couple of days is to just, and, and those scenarios are based on stuff that I've, I've dealt with. Like I, I don't, I'm not making stuff up. That's stuff that, you know, that, um, my team and, and myself, like we've come across or we've had to, had to step in and deal with stuff. But, you know, if you don't talk about it, if you don't take the time as a team or even with leadership to say, you know what, how do we handle this? Like, you know, we had a situation this, this past week, um, where it's never had, like, it's never happened to us before. Um, but you know, we never, we had a situation a couple of weeks ago, we never had to deal with that before. So, you know, that is a catalyst and you have to use that as a discussion point, even if you don't think your church is very big, or even if you don't think it would ever happen at your church, the reality is if you don't have a discussion and you talk about a topic, then you are not going to have any, any best practice, any clue, any idea of how to best handle that situation. And if it does happen, then move forward with it. Um, one of the, I love, I think you, I think you saw it, or at least I know you saw it, Mike. One of the scenarios I posted was um, of, you know, handling a new, a new family visiting the church that wants to drop their child off and they want to stay with their child through the service in that, um, in that, uh, children's area in Sunday school. And we have at our church, we have a very strict, no adults, unless you're background checked period. End of story. You're welcome to take your child into the sanctuary and have them sit with you through the service. But we, we take solid precautions to make sure that your children are well cared for and are, are in a safe and secure environment um, while they're in that. And, you know, that, that happened to me. A new couple came in and the mom was like, well, I want to sit with her. And I said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but we just, for, for the other children's safety and for your safety, we, we don't allow that. We look at it as like a school situation where we need to be just as secure. Well, you know, that's, and that wasn't a great situation because it started, she started escalating and I had to kind of deescalate the situation. And, but, and, and what I find interesting is that we, ha we've had people in the group post, well, I would just let somebody, I would just let the parents sit with them. And, and there was a lot of, well, we've never really talked about that, but this is probably what we do. Talk about it with your church because one of the, one of the folks, and I can't remember his name at the moment, posted as a response to that, no, we're protecting the other kids. We have as just, just as much responsibility to protect the other kids and make sure the other kids are comfortable as that new person coming and visiting. Yeah. And um, one of the things in that conversation that I had with the mom was, well, they let us do that at this church. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I, I guess that's, that church and they have a different perspective on, on their children's department and safety. But well, there are parents that will use that to avoid a service. I mean, we've had people oh, sure. that they, they're not right with the Lord. Uh, they don't want the conviction of the Holy spirit. Um, maybe they're on the outs with their spouse and don't want to sit with them, whatever it is. And they want to loiter in the lobby and talk to the security team member or sit in the kitchen area or go up in and volunteer to sit through multiple services in the nursery or something. And what, what they're doing is they're trying to avoid. I do like what a lot of churches did. I recommended it to my last church where they would have uh, an app you could download and it would let you see at any point you wanted to see, you could see into the nursery or they had a, a, a big screen TV outside of it or something where you could always see. And I really, really like that. Yeah, I, I think this is a great point about talking through scenarios. And and, sure. and I think that's where we kind of um, went for a second there. But I, it does not have to be as deep as a table talk uh, a top exercise like I was talking about doing. It, it can literally just be, hey, this is what occurred. I mean, you guys should be having a debrief at your team's 
on Sunday anyway, if, especially if something happened. Maybe it didn't bubble up to the level of you needing to file out an, uh, fill out an incident report. But if something happens, if there's a DLR, if there's a something you need to address, it's worth having the conversation with your team, ideally in person. But obviously, obviously that doesn't necessarily always work with turnover and things like that between services. Uh, so you have a mechanism to at least close that out while it's still fresh in mind. Um, right. And then make sure that we're tracking that and make sure that you don't just have the one-off conversation and, okay, well, I talked with three of the team. Well, what about the other 12? Okay. You got to make sure that you tie off on those things. And, and, and again, it's, it's degrees determined as to level of impact. Is it something that's a current situation, point of the moment, opportunity to educate the team? Or is it something that's more detailed that you want to actually perhaps tabletop exercise the whole thing, come up with a scenario, inform the pastors, consult other stakeholders, and then establish some sort of uh, operating procedure around it? For sure. I want to. Uh, I do want to come back to that, and I want to talk a little bit about scenarios and and doing um, after action assessments. So. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll be right back with you guys. So don't go anywhere, and uh, we'll be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. Even at church, bad things can happen. Medical emergencies, active shooters, predators, even domestic disputes. Is your church, is your ministry, is your sanctuary prepared? Do you have a safety or security team? Find out how you can be with James McGarvey's new book, The Case for Church Safety and Security. James McGarvey's experience and training, along with a biblical foundation, bring much needed information in today's trying times. It offers a true biblical perspective for starting, keeping, and growing a safety or security ministry in your church or place of worship. The Case for Church Safety and Security, a brand new book, includes a special foreword by Frank Pomeroy, the pastor at the First Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs, Texas, where they experienced the worst active shooter in U.S. history. This compelling book shares insight on preparing yourself and your church from potential threats with a biblical worldview. Start your journey to a more secure ministry and worship freely knowing you're safe. Get more information now at churchsafetyguys.com and pick up your copy today. Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources. back after the quick break that we had. If you just joined us, you're listening to the Church Safety Guys broadcast, and uh, we do that on Sunday evening. 
And for additional church safety and security resources, please feel free to visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Um, so tonight we're talking about active shooters and, and training. And uh, one of the things that we um, that that Mike just mentioned that I want to circle back around was uh, doing an after action assessment on things and talking about we were talking about scenarios and and how to um, how to address it and the importance of talking about it. Um, sometimes it can be pretty frustrating, you know, and, and Mike, you, you made the point of making sure your entire team is covered with that and not just two or three people. Uh, and sometimes it can be kind of a challenge to get to everybody or to, to have a meeting and bring everybody in and, and, um, and go over that stuff. Yep. Again, it's, it, it is really important. Even if, if, even if nothing came of that situation, even if the situation couldn't have possibly gone better, it's still, excuse me, it's still good to, um, to chat about it and to, to talk about it. Take it forward and, a few moves. I mean, frankly, it, yeah. wherever it actually ended, take it forward a few steps further from where, what if that didn't happen? And then right. dial dial back from the known quantity to a point of unknown again and say, if the path chosen was this way instead of that way, what would that have done to us? That's truly the, kind of the, the tabletop style exercise, if you will. You, you war game out a scenario. You, you document through, well, if this occurs, this is how we would respond. Or if right. this is and, – and, those sort of scenarios factor in not only an immediate response to a, a specific scenario, but sometimes it's a compounded scenario. What happens if this occurs at the same time this is occurring um, and being prepared for the chaos that can result if you have multiple incidents or multiple things occurring simultaneously? Because it's not enough to just prepare to respond to one. You're not going to get the opportunity to, to, to respond in a vacuum. Uh, you may have multiple things going on, multiply, uh pulled in different directions. You may not have access to certain resources you thought you would have under those. So you have to prepare for each of those conditions. And what's your plan B? Well, and that's the one of the interesting things about that is, again, you know, with with as quick as our culture and our society is changing, if we're not flexible and if we aren't willing to adapt adapt and discuss and and talk about potential things that could happen and i'm not i'm not talking about like go go crazy nuts and and uh you know somebody's going to drop a nuclear bomb on the church or something cartoonish or gas but, masks or other sorts of things <laughs> right <laughs> but what's interesting though is if you you know if you don't talk about it um, you're not going to know how to respond and you're not going to know where to begin to respond. And, uh, you know, I find it interesting because a lot of times people will say, well, you know, that's just never, that's never going to happen to us. So I'm not worried about it. Our policies and, and procedures as a church, as a safety team, uh, we update those yearly. And there's a reason that we update those yearly. And I can't emphasize I can't emphasize that enough because it's like, it's not because it's a living, breathing policy. It's because we've learned stuff in the last year that we never had to deal with before. And we need to set a standard and it's not, you know, it's not understanding that that never, or having the idea that that standard will never change. It's, it's having the, the attitude that, you know what, as long as we live in a culture that's constantly changing, our safety and security methods and patterns and ideology is going to change. Like the purpose will never change, but how we do that ministry. And it's, it's like, you know, I can remember, uh, I'm old enough to remember when churches started bringing TVs in, right, for PowerPoint slides and how taboo that was. <laughs> and I know Paul you, you growing up in, in the area that you did, I'm sure you came across the same thing. Yeah. But at one point in time, there were people that were like, oh my gosh, you can't have a, you can't have a projector in the TV. You can't have, or in the church, you can't have a TV in the church because that's, 
that's the devil. You can't have chairs in the church. You have to have pews. You can't have carpeting. You, all of this stuff based on our culture. Now, I, I'm, I'm kind of joking a little bit about that, but I'm trying to make a point. And the point is, as the church changes and adapts to the culture they're ministering to, we have to change our safety and security policies and how we respond to things with that. That doesn't mean that we change the, the truth of the word of God. We obviously, we don't do that, but at the same time, we need to understand that there's, there's different ways of handling things. There's better tools, there's better resources, there's better ways, um, to address certain situations. And you know what, honestly, I mean, and, and you guys know this, we, we record, stuff, incidents that happen and different things like that, there's an increase in it. So if, if I'm not adjusting how I handle something with the increase of what I see happening more and more, then it's just setting me up for failure because at some point in time, it's going to overtake my skill set, my policies, my procedures, and we're going to left, be left standing there as a church and just be like, uh, how do we? <laughs> well, I, I want to throw a, a comment here. You guys are the awesome gold nuggets tonight because if you're not updating your policies, you're setting yourself at risk. And if you ever find yourself in court and the the lawyer that's suing, that's helping sue your church civilly says, well, so what's your policy about this? And, oh, by the way, here's your policy, thud, that you either do or don't have. And they'll play that like a trump card. And if your policy is, we're going to do this to the best of our ability based on this, and you guys know this, in court, it's what would what would a, a, a normal person with a normal background do under those circumstances? You know, what would a reasonable, reasonable, I was going to say, Mike was saying the right, the right word there. What would a reasonable person do under these circumstances? You're not Delta Force. You're not Pee Wee Herman. What would a reasonable person do? And... You I might be Pee Wee Herman. You might be Pee Wee. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a moment and pray for my brother James. So uh, it's one of those things that if you're not updating your your rules and and your policies and all those things, you're not learning. And and I really foresee a day where there's like these roundtable discussions, like what James is talking about within church safety groups, where people go and we're seeing it. It's, it's organically happening where people throw something up and go, this just happened at our church. What do you think? And then people can go, I never thought about that. <laughs> a gallon gasoline uh, jug and sets it down and has a road flare and says, this is a robbery. You know, do, when do we get the fire extinguishers? I mean, I'm being silly, but that can really happen. And so mm. that's good stuff. You know, what I would say is uh, really the biggest enemy or the biggest threat, I think, that we all have in all of our churches, regardless of our state, regardless of the maturity and size of our team, is complacency. Yep. I agree. Well said. Well, and that's, that's definitely true. I mean, we've had, like I said, we've had a couple of situations in the last, it really in the last month that we've never had to deal with before. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to get into them tonight for discussion, but um, the, the reality is that if you're not thinking about the scenario and you're not thinking about what could happen, then, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to be able to, to draw a line of consistency with how to handle things across the board. I mean, there's, there's certain things, you know, just cause somebody's screaming and waving their arms and you think, Oh, I got to deescalate someone. Um, you know, the deescalation principles work just as well on a, on someone that's not screaming and waving their arms, but maybe their voices is, is raised or, you know, what, how would you handle this type, this type of topic or this type of thing, or, you know, how would you handle this, this experience? Well, it's a learning curve and it's a learning experience. And a lot of times we have to go through it before we completely understand all the ramifications of it. But I'll throw it over to you, Mike. Yeah. Well, within the realm of active shooters, certainly uh, in any of that situation, it, it, it comes back down to basics. The, the, the potential threat has to get a weapon in the building. 
and it comes back to situational awareness and different sorts of things. So as we talk about preparing for, we talk about tabletop, we talk about kind of post-mortem situation, you know what's something you could do that's pretty cheap? Go out and buy yourself a blue gun, okay, for your church. <laughs> and then on Sunday morning, go out and find somebody in the parking lot. Uh, perhaps it's walking in on their own. Perhaps somebody that might be recognized by a lot of folks. Have them stick this in their in their in their hip waistband, but have it very noticeable. Have them print, and see who picks up on it on your team. Is anybody actually saying, "Hey, this guy this guy may have something on his waistband"? Are they even noticing? Because if they get through entirely and, and nobody even says anything, well, you have you have additional training you need to do. I predict a lot of church safety team leaders sobbing uncontrollably <laughs> at Cracker Barrel after church. <laughs> well, and and I want to I want to move forward on that on that note, but uh, I, ha- I have a thought on that, and and that thought is the safety team is only as good as the resources around them. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so if you're not taking advantage of um, nursery workers, ushers, greeters, door greeters, all those folks too, and training them to come tell you that something doesn't look right or something's odd, then um, you're, you're missing the boat with the resources and what you can and can't, can't use. And it's funny because we get a lot of, a lot of times folks will reach out to us and they'll say like, well, we only have like, we're a small church. We only have like two or three people that are um, safety team. You know, maybe we have a church of a hundred, but only two, two people that are safety team members or security team members. And one of the questions I'll ask him is, well, do you have a door greeter? Do you have somebody that checks kids in? Do you have a Sunday school worker? Guess what? See something, say something. Safety yep. is everyone's responsibility. It's not just the safe, you know, the security team or the safety team. So why not invest in that and uh, spend time with those different ministries and make sure that they know that if I see this, this is how I respond. Um, not too long ago, we we switched over. Uh, children's directors and our current children's director is very, very, very. Um, emphatic about getting our our Sunday school workers all trained in de-escalation and and understanding mental health and and doing that and that's awesome because if somebody can de-escalate a situation then that helps safety and security all across the board um one of the guys that uh, is in charge of our first impressions team he uh recently moved up from Cincinnati um or he's been working on the the impressions team um they do a lot of door greeters. This gentleman is a, a fantastic guy, you know, real nice. I, t- I met him, talked to him. Turns out he used to be the security director at his church in Cincinnati. And so I'm like, and everybody, it was interesting because everybody at that point was like, oh, he's a security guy. Let's move him. I want to put him, you know, I want to put him on your team. And this guy has some fantastic, outstanding credentials. Like any church would be blessed to have his his knowledge base and and experience. And I said no. And everybody stopped. Like everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I said no. I would rather have him on the first impressions team because he can impact and push that ideology to everyone on the team. And I said, they're going to listen to him because he works with them. He knows them. What better way to teach the folks at the door on how to look at, you know, things that could be odd or things that could be different or, um, you know, just be, be better prepared. He can impress upon that team <laughs> the actual knowledge that is necessary. And, and oh, from within. But that's that's a statement that's not only great in that situation. I think it's it's great across the board is. What what efforts are we doing to make sure that we're getting an audience with the other teams? In other words, are you as a leader reaching out to the leads of other ministries and trying to understand their pain points? Um, not just coming to them and saying, hey, I need you to do this or you have to do this because of safety. OK, it doesn't give you an automatic um be rude card, essentially, just because you're doing it in the name of safety. I think it's something is you have to come in and kind of say, hey, what can I do to help you ultimately first? And above and beyond that is explaining 
and building that connection and say, all right, here's how I think safety could be impacted in your space. Have you thought about safety from your vantage point? Because we can't be in every shoes and every ministry and get every vantage point to think through. We, we certainly plan for, we tabletop, we, we sure. work and learn from previous situations and adjust policy as we're all talking about here. But we always want to not only have the eyes and observation of those folks, we want their input as well because they're learning too every year and their policy is changing every year. So are we updating our knowledge of their ministry as frequently as they're updating their policies? Well, and one of the th one of the things that, that you mentioned earlier, Mike, I'll go back to the, the whole complacency thing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie when I walk around and I know a lot of churches feel this way, but when the, the person over safety or security walks around all the time, it's like somebody with a drum, right? You're beating that drum. Hey, we need to do this for safety. Hey, we need, you know, and at some point in time, as frustrating as that can be, um, sometimes church leadership drowns that out. It's like, okay, I hear this all the time. So let's, let's focus on something else. And so um, that's why it's important. I mean, it's important to have leadership on board, but it's also important to pick your pick and choose your battles and discussion topics. And when you do it, because as other ministries, I mean, I can go to like our first impressions team. I can go to them and hold a seminar and say, this is what you should do. This is what you should look for. This is a DLR, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But how much influence and impact am I going to have? I'm going to have some, but I guarantee it's not as much impact as someone that shows up every Sunday with their wife, their spouse to assist with that. And they're working right next to him. And, you know, that person is like, hey, this is what we should look for. Like we can have a smile on our face. We can greet folks. But, it, you know, this is the type of thing that just doesn't look right, that maybe we should grab one of the safety guys or maybe we should grab a pastor. Yes. Just kind of emphasize. So, Paul, you were going to add something? So there's several things that makes me think of really, really quickly. Having people on your various teams who either have stepped out of a safety role or are a sleeper within that safety role, or maybe they want to minister different ways. Um, I had a guy come to me today and he's like, do you have enough people working security? And I'm thinking to myself, never. And so I, <laughs> and so I gave him a radio and an earpiece. And I said, do you want to go be one of my sleepers? Because he was going to go in with his wife and be in the service. And he goes, yeah. And so he got to go sit in there. Number two, we have people that work in our cafe, cafe uh, cafeteria area that are on our security team. So they're sleepers. Uh, and then to me, we should always be, if you're not, if you're not, in some of those meetings and visiting with those people invo involved in helping them carry that table, they're not going to think of you the same way. And and oftentimes in the security world, the alpha, the alpha male, alpha female security world looks down on people who aren't part of that, whether that's law enforcement or military or corporate security or whatever, they look down on the other people, the sheep, and yeah. then, which is heartbreaking. And if you show that that's not how you think, then somebody's going to go, you know, I was out there emptying the trash a minute ago, and there was a guy by the back of the building trying door handles. I, I almost didn't say anything to you, but because we'd had that conversation the other day, you've built those relationships, and then suddenly you're going, wah, 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 and you guys are connected. <laughs> we, we have a thing talking about bubbling stuff up. As our church grows, we have one way in and one way out it leads out to a stop sign, which leads to stoplights and, and to the interstate. So we have a massive problem. 800 people might be leaving in a span of 10 to 15 minutes and they're completely clogging that road. And so I've done a little survey and there's another way to get out of there. And I started talking to people about it. People were, it was resonating with people because it could save them 10 minutes in traffic. Well, if you don't think that's a safety issue, I don't know what is. You know, imagine an ambulance getting moment and we're oh, sure we're completely tying up a state road and where i'm going with that is i took that to one of my pastors and i came to him with two potential solutions i said i can walk up to a vehicle and hand somebody a piece of paper that says i can save you 10 minutes if you go this way this way and this way or i can make a video and i said i'll, I'll put a gopro on my hood and doot, 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 set it to music you guys you guys slap your logos on it and away you go and he goes both of those are great ideas let me drive that route i'm glad you're on top of this well, why do I say that? Coming up with potential solutions 
should be part of what everybody's thinking about doing. Because if the only thing I ever come to you with is a problem, you're going to go. But if I come to you and say, hey, we had an opportunity in the parking lot today, Mike, what do you think about this? Well, and that goes back. That's that's a gold nugget there, too, because that goes back to are you approachable? Um, you know, and have you cross trained? Like I love if I have time, if everything is, is set, I love going to other ministries. Like I love walking into the kids ministry and, and talking to the teachers and the kids get to know who I am. The teachers get to know who I am, Amen. Um, you know, and, and that's a resource. That's, that's value. You know, if you're set, take time to do that. Um, take time to understand, you know, we have a lot of crossover, a lot of safety and security folks also do IT stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and we hear from those folks too. crossover isn't bad. I mean, if it, if, if it doesn't keep you from keeping the main thing, the main things, I mean, sometimes obviously that's, that's a challenge, but making yourself approachable to other people in other ministries only benefits you and it only benefits the safety. So you don't have to have that attitude. Like, like Paul, you just mentioned, like, <laughs> well, I got to do security and that's it. Well, no, because you know, there are several different ministries that they'll, they'll come to me. Like when a pastor's not available, they'll come to me and they'll say, Hey, I have this problem. I know you're a problem solver. Can you think outside the box and maybe see something that I don't and help me with this? And to me, that's like, that's a blessing because I love that, that folks come to me and find me approachable and not separate. Like we're not, you know, we're not over here doing security. It's security is woven in between other ministries and over encompassing, you know, umbrella over the entire campus, the entire ministry of the church. And that's really the way, the way it should be. And, you know, honestly, we talk about that too. And, um, you know, the, the engage train and retain book that, that Mike and I just put together the idea of, you know, not being an Island with church security and safety, but, branching out and understanding that as supporting the ministry of the church, you're also supporting the ministry within the church, Yes, every individual ministry within the church. So uh, I am Mike, you've been quietly waiting. So I'm going to throw it over to you because I know you <laughs> had something. <laughs> yeah, no problem. A couple, a uh, couple of good gold nuggets here. I think for, uh, for the leaders out there is really looking at uh, if you're, if you're having a hard time, uh, getting a doorway or getting an audience with those other ministries, or you're trying to find a way to kind of crack in is be, there's two, two things. One, do you have a membership class? Do you have a, some sort of onboarding class where folks start uh, to then sign up to be volunteers and engage somewhere in your church? That's a great spot to a, not only recruit for your team and size up and determine what, but it's also an opportunity that sometimes just showing up, the pastor will give you the floor and you get a chance to talk to 20 yeah. new volunteers and, and talk to them about to safety. Like 10 times. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's like all of a sudden, okay, I just got to talk to 20 new volunteers about safety before they go off yeah. and split into 20 different teams, it seems. So yeah. it's it's a good part. It's it, You establish that approachability right there. You find a way to recruit or, and, and get an inroad to those other teams because you've just built a connection with yeah. the new. And to that point, Watch those teams. When you see teams with, whether it be turnover or you see a team that is recruiting a whole batch of new new people that are coming on, that's an opportunity to use that batch of new people as a doorway or a wedge to come in and kind of say, hey, I want to talk to you guys about this. And, oh, by the way, the leader of that ministry may then overhear you, maybe party to that, but you used the the, the – the onus essentially, or the, the, the motive was the, the piece, if you will. And you're able to reach that ministry again because you created a doorway. Yeah. You were going to add something, Paul? Yeah. As we start to kind of wind down that, that uh, I'm kind of riffing off what you guys are saying, because it's so true. Um, years ago, I had a teacher come to me and she's like, we've got a kid up here in, in this kid's area. That's, that's out of control. And she's like, will you come up? And these are preteens. And I've got this kid that's like, I don't remember if he was, I think he was like nine or 10. 
and he's sitting there and one of our elders is talking to him and he's a great guy and he's sitting there talking to him and he's like look i mean little timmy you can't be doing this and whatever it was the kid was being a violent little stink and i'm, I'm kind of sitting behind and off to the side of this kid and this kid rears back with a punch and literally throws a haymaker at my elder and i just reached up and caught his shoulder and pulled him back and he missed by a good five or six inches and my elder just kind of took a step back he stood up and took a step back and looked at me and he said well, I believe this is your department. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I kind of turned around. I said, look, I love you and God loves you and we want you here, but this don't fly. And I mean, he wasn't, I mean, this nine-year-old kid wasn't going to hurt my, my elder, but he probably bruised his fist on him, but it kind of shocked the guy. And some people, people are wired for different things for different reasons. One, and then two, building a culture within your team. My, my church gave me my parking lot team and I'm encouraging my guys and I try to be a leadership by example guy. And today we had to completely shift on the fly. We communicated with our radios. We shifted on the fly. I had guys eagerly running. I had guys that actually stayed for an extra service and we're running 12, 1300 people uh, a Sunday morning. And I've got guys coming up to me and saying, I've never enjoyed it this much as I do now. And we're working harder than we ever have. And I got a letter the other day from our volunteer coordinator thanking me for basically for the culture that we're building within our, within our parking lot team. And the cool thing is I've got guys that are now calling each other and they're talking to each other and texting each other outside of service hours, which takes us all the way back to the beginning with the new book. Because if you are if you are engaging and retaining and you're doing these things and you're following through this series, we're building relationships where people will stop you and go, "Are you good? Is everything cool?" Or you can look at them and go like this, and they're paying attention. It's a whole different world because they know each other, and they can walk up and go, "Paul, you don't seem to be on your game. What's going on?" Well, I'm watching that guy right there. Okay, what do you need me to do? And it's, it's interesting. I had a gentleman, and he's been going to the church forever. Um, and he's definitely, he's, I think we've been there almost 15 years and he's been going longer than that. And I've, I've sat in, um, in, you know, Sunday school classes with him and I've, I've talked with him over the years and just a, just a great guy. And, you know, he came up to me last Sunday and he said, you know, can I talk to you for a second? And I kind of looked at him cause I was, I wasn't sure if he was joking or if he was being serious, you know, serious. And I'm like, I guess so. Did I do something wrong? You know, that's, that's that phrase. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah. And, uh, and so he's like, no, 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 you, you haven't done anything wrong. He said, uh, I just wanted to tell you that, that uh, I appreciate you and I appreciate all you do for the church and everything that goes unnoticed that you do. And he said, I just want to let you know that I feel like you're one of the most realist people here. And I'm like, realist people what does that mean like <laughs> i don't i don't know and he's like well he's like when i walk by you you it's not just passive it's like when i ask you how you're doing you really tell me how you're doing and i said well i i believe in honesty and transparency and building relationships and that sort of thing but uh he said you know no he said i i really appreciate that because he said so many so many folks in church today it's like you know, a facade of saying, Hey, how's it going? I'm not really connecting with that person. Yeah. You're here for 45 minutes and then you hit the road and there's no, there's no connections. And, and churches are for broken people. They're not for the perfect people yeah. for looking for an at avenue. And one of the th verses that just popped into my head, I just had to look it up for the reference, but Ephesians 4:29 says, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Amen. And that kind of just popped into my head from what you were saying, Paul, that it's like, you know, we have an obligation in ministry. Even if you're not a leader, you have an obligation in ministry, biblically, a biblical obligation to build each other up and to encourage each other and to check in on people and to do that. Amen. And you know, that we've all, we've seen that difference. Like when you can legitimately do that, then um, you have a different team, you have a different culture, you have a way to respond um, yeah. and, and be a blessing to those in your church and, and your community. So yeah, I want to throw something on that. And then, and then if you tell me if you guys are ready to close, you are so right, because I shouldn't need my pastor to tell me that a member of my team is having a tough time. 
um, I, I should know that that Mike's uh, got a, a blessing coming. I should know. I should know things about other people's lives. I should. I should know that this guy at my church is moving, or I should know that this person is having a marital problem, and and I should be lovingly checking up on them. Oh, you tested positive for COVID. You're not going to be able to be here for two weeks in the middle of the week. Hey, do I need to do a contact contactless delivery for you and drop something off? And if we go back to the book of Acts where they loved on each other like that, it worked. And these were people from multiple cultures with multiple languages that didn't get along normally, but that, but they were a church of over 5,000 people. Pretty impressive. So you're right. It, we, in the middle of the week, we should be in each other's lives. Uh, anyway. So Mike, you got anything or you guys want me to close her out? I think it's just to kind of tie it back. I think across the board is you have to be ready to respond to not just something that's happening inside your building or on your property. You have to be alert enough and aware enough of what's going on in the surrounding area. You have to be able to then talk about it enough with your team so you're prepared to respond, that you have some sort of uh, potential response should something like that occur in the, uh, in the near future. You got to have a way to communicate with your team. Make sure that you're going to get that information out to them quickly and in a moment's notice. If you haven't already uh, added radios to your team, maybe now's the time to do so. If that's not in the budget, well, find an app, find a find some sort of uh, chat tool. Maybe text is is what it is. Maybe a, a group me text um, is all you can budget right now. But you got to be able to get that information out immediately to both your immediate safety team as well as perhaps those those uh, uh, plants, those folks that are serving as that outer ring, that additional layer. Maybe they're not on radio, maybe, but they're sitting in service with a with the right minded uh, focus. Um, so you want to make sure that you're prepared for that elevated threat. And then, of course, across the board is make sure you're taking notes of when these things happen. Look for trends. You want to make sure you're, you're documenting not just the incidents, but the almosts, because the almosts show that you have trends in a certain direction. And maybe they don't bubble into incidents, praise God. But you need to understand, hey, this is increasing in frequency. We need to not only have a, a preparation for it, this is, this is an urgency because it's increasing. Boom. Sure. All right, gents. Anything else? Or you want me to close her out? Go for it. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for tonight. Um, Lord God, as, as uh, innocent as doves, but as shrewd as vipers, Lord God, I ask for wisdom, Lord God, Solomon style. I ask for the right resources and training and opportunities. Lord God, I ask that you would put a passion not only in us, but in all those that are listening to truly, to truly develop a heart of loving, consummate safety across the board, picking the ink pen up off the floor, knowing, knowing how to see the signs of a stroke, knowing, knowing what cover and concealment is to be able to deal with a threat, knowing, knowing how to deescalate, Lord God, all of these go in the same basket and they come there for the same heart, Lord God. We, we lay our lives on the line for those who, who don't have the training. They come together. We're there to be the sheepdogs, sheepdogs for Jesus, Lord God. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for my brothers. I ask that you would uh, bless what they do, give them the desires of their heart in your son, Jesus name. Amen. 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 So again, thanks for for watching tonight. You can reach out to us at any time through churchsafetyguys.com or on our website. And uh, next week, I believe uh, we're going to try and get Colonel Grossman back in here and, and have a chat with him. And um, if we can be of any assistance to you uh, during the week, please feel free to reach out to us. So until yep. next, next week, um, take care. God bless. We'll We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.